listening to Real Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Muna. And I'm your host, Clifford. Let's get into it. Hello. Hey, Clifford. And we have a special guest here, Leah. Hey. <laughs> Hi, guys. How are you doing? I'm all right. Not too bad. I've got my ring light and I'm like, ooh, okay, I'm about this to let No, I'm joking. I'm really not about this life, but I thought I'd jump in anyway. It's nice to see you guys finally. No, definitely, and thank you so much for joining us. I know this has been long overdue, but I am so excited for this episode, and um, I can't wait to dive in. Cliff. Yeah, definitely. It's great to have you here, Leah, and just if you could briefly just introduce yourself to our listeners. All right, so my name's Leah. I am a mother, first and foremost, to a lovely nine, coming up 10-year-old in like a week or two. He is a lot but I'm also extremely proud of him he's very unique in his own way and I wouldn't change it for the world um I am also a youth mentor for multiple organizations the main one being mortal for action but the other ones I kind of do mentoring organically through the vocal and drama coaching that I do there as the performing arts academy DAP academy and standing ovation which I've not worked for for a little while but hopefully some work coming there um, I run a cake business for nine years. I've recently closed shop to focus mainly on the youth and the vocal coaching and stuff like that and performing. That's it, really. I do a bit of clubhouse. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I'm just a normal person, really. I just love young people. I'm quite creative and musical. Yeah, typical left-handed, arty-farty person. So. so, and what part of London are you based in, Leah? And I'm not in London. <laughs> what part of the world are you based in? And how did you start in terms of youth mentoring? Oh, okay. So I'm in Birmingham. I was raised in the Lake District. I moved up there when I was two. Moved back down when I was about 12 to live with my dad. Um, Youth mentoring, how did I get into it? That's a really good one. All right. So I became a mum at a young age. I met his dad trying to train as a chef. However, um, when I had my son, it just completely rocked my world. I wasted a lot of my teenage years not really knowing what I wanted to do. I was kind of... I wasn't really close to my mum from a young age. So I just kind of, yeah, I just kind of had free reign when I was in my teens, living with my dad. And I just kind of, I just wanted to experience and explore everything that everyone else was doing. I didn't really have much. I was quite naive. um, And so everything I know, I've learned the hard way, pretty much. Um, I was close to my auntie and then she passed away when my son was born and my son saved me. I'm not going to lie, my son absolutely saved me. And the reason why he's here as well, it was kind of like a miracle experience. I don't really want to go too much into it, but basically someone, something reached out to me and stopped me from not becoming a mother, basically. Um, So I really feel like he has a purpose on this world. And so having him made me question my whole existence, my life, everything. I was like, what are you doing? What is your purpose? Um, I've always found that I've been extremely sensitive from a young age. I remember I'm thirsty for knowledge. When I was in my teens, I would start researching history, things that I wasn't interested in in school. I come out of school and I have this awakening. (laughs) And I'm suddenly like, okay, so what's up with the world? Where am I? Who am I? What's a human? What is life? Why are we here? Where are we going? All these different things. I've always been thirsty for knowledge. Um, And so as I started to kind of gain knowledge and understanding of the world we're in, there was times when I just went into a complete state of physical shock. Like, I would start shaking because I just couldn't understand why the world was so cruel. I really couldn't understand it, and it took me quite a long time to heal. And then when I had my son after that, I realised, okay, so I'm raising a whole new person now. This is a totally different... And that's when I really got a thirst to succeed and to do well and to do more than just 
pay the bills. But I always found myself to be very non-judgmental of other people. And it's something that I couldn't understand any systems that are in place that try to suppress people and their feelings and their emotions and judge them for their actions. I'm just kind of like, you know, we're all in this messed up world together. <laughs> Let's just be a bit kinder. I'm really extroverted. I get energy off people, conversations. And people are like, no, don't create. You're really good at that. And I'm like, yeah, but I don't just want to be at home making cakes. You do not see the slavery it feels like mm. when you're up till five o'clock in the morning trying to finish a cake for a customer the next day, trying to be a mom, juggle home life, try and keep it tidy and stuff like that. It just... It just wasn't for me. So I started working at Nando's anyway. And I actually found it really fulfilling. I was really like, I was kind of flourishing there and I really enjoyed it. After a year, I got an opportunity to work for a teaching as a choir leader in standing ovation. Now this was going to schools and directing choirs and stuff. I think it was 26. I decided that I wanted to audition for a musical because I was like, I'm so musical, I'm creative, I'm getting old. I'm not too old to perform, do performing arts. And I honestly thought my time had passed. I thought that anyone in the music industry, anyone in drama, performing arts, they have to be in their late teens, early 20s. They can't be moms. I just found it a bit strange. So I auditioned for a musical. I just wanted a little role just so I could get used to being on stage. And I ended up getting a lead role. I was like, oh, great. Uh, this is awesome. And it, I honestly had the time of my life. I thought it was amazing. I sang quite well. I had a bit of coaching from Aston Performing Arts Academy. He came and visited us. I was like, great. So I did this musical. And then they asked me to come and help with the kids' musical that was coming up. And I found that I was quite good at with kids and, and arranging harmonies and singing with them and building confidence in them. So it just came naturally. I was like, I actually love this. I love doing this. And then they were like, do you want to be a part of our organization? So I'm like, yeah, great. I'll do Saturdays. So I started working Saturdays. I still work at Gap Academy Saturdays. I now do drama coaching there. Standing ovation, obviously, I did the choir teaching. After Gap, I started attending Aston Performing Arts Academy as a student to build up my own confidence and skills as a vocalist. I got into the performance team where we do gigs at corporate events and stuff like that, which is amazing. I just feel humbled by the whole thing because I'm still only recently just digesting everything. Like, actually, one little step seizing that opportunity can just open a whole bunch of doors for you and doing what you actually love because I could still be working at Nando's not that I hated it but yeah I could still be doing cakes um, and for me that's the real message out of what I did at 26 which was audition for a musical and now I'm performing in Boring and Selfridges I'm coaching all these young people corporate gigs award ceremonies all this stuff and I absolutely love it and through Aston Performing Arts I met a guy called Shaq, who's always just been really cool and loving from the get-go, him and his girlfriend, Jada. Um, so we always, we always clicked from the start. And then after a while, me becoming a development manager at Aspen Performing Arts, he was like, me and Hezron Brown, if you've not heard his story, he's just incredible. His life story is just, it will blow your mind. I think Yumi Lab have it on their YouTube, and it's, I think it's got like one million views now or something. It was only about a month or so ago. But he started as a homeless kid, involved in gangs, and the way he's just turned his life around. He won quite a bit in a couple of years ago. So Shaq was starting a business with Hezran called More Talk Matching. And it's a mentoring youth organisation, which Shaq was like, we want you on the team. I was like, okay. I nearly didn't go for it. And then I went for it, like, last minute. And then I can't got the job. I was like, great. <laughs> so I've been doing that ever since. But that's my main role now. Hezran is CEO. We've got Brian Reeves, operations director. Olivia, she's the social media 
Jacques, who's the engagement director, so he manages the programs and the content of what we do. We're always bouncing off each other, like contribute to ideas and what we're going to do next with the kids. You know, oh, you know, as I do the programs with the young people, I say, okay, cool. Let's. What about this? I feel like this this kind of age person needs this, and we'll just kind of. It feels like a team because it's kind of like the first job I've had where I genuinely feel respected completely and trusted. And it's really refreshing. I've kind of had that experience in other ones, Apple and Gap and Sun Innovation as well. But because this is like my main role where I do it throughout the week, it's been really nice to have that experience. At the music audition that you had, uh, once you kind of went and did it, would you say that kind of sparked not only a passion, but an interest to kind of dive into the mentoring, the vocal training, kind of go more in depth and more involved? Because uh, from, from what I've gathered, I've, like it sounds as though from that audition that kind of just gave you a light bulb switch moment and it was just like you know what this is something I want to do and then kind of go down that route and as you mentioned with chef and his girlfriend with the more talk more action would you say that that's how it kind of fell into play or was it more that he kind of approached you beforehand and and wanted you to be part of the, the team that's interesting that's a good question I've never really thought about that so I don't even know what our mentor was, to be honest, until I joined Aston Performing Arts Academy. I really didn't. I just thought our mentor was an educational mentor. Now I know, of course, that being a pastoral youth mentor is so much different. And it's so important to these young people's lives as well. I guess we can talk more about what that involves after. But yeah, no, I fell into the vocal coaching but I always found myself really caring about every single young person I'm working with, even if I'm just singing with them, trying to help them to believe in themselves. And you know that singing is nerve-wracking. It's one of the most scary things for a young person to do in front of everybody. And I guess, yeah, and being asked them performing arts for a while, when I tell you I was, I was a wreck, I was not equipped to be a leader in that space when I first joined. Um, the growth and the support from the team Pele, True, and all the other DMs there. Um, when they had new roles become available, I think it was, this was after about me being there for about a year and a half. Again, I wasn't going to do it. <laughs> I was just like, I don't know. But then they were like, I want you to do it. I was like, okay. So I feel like every step of the way, it's involved someone believing in me more than I believed in myself every single time. And it's only this last year and a half, two years maybe, that I've actually really started to, yeah, yeah you've got this. You're a professional. Like you're a professional and, and it's only recently I've started saying that to myself and actually believing it. Because you know imposter syndrome can be the worst. Um, and yeah, we're our own worst enemy. So having that support and encouragement from other people is really Definitely. And we're, and we're definitely our own critic and we're always going to be our own worst critic you know so it's always it's not only is it reassuring it's it's nice to kind of hear it from others to be like you know what you've got this you've had this all this time so I feel like that is kind of a push that we all individually need in our lives you know at one point in our lives you're gonna have that one person to be like you have this from the get-go do it kind of thing and I think it's once you feel once you hear that it kind of knocks you in a good way and you're like you know what I do have that so yeah, yeah. definitely. I have a quick question, Leah. What age group do you mentor? And then the second question that I'm going to ask after that is: in COVID and when times get rough, how do you keep going? Because you've got an amazing energy and spirit, and I'm always jumping into your rooms in Clubhouse. And I'm just seeing you're on this thing, and you're always motivating people to, you know, just do great things. And then the vocals on top. 
<laughs> always the right place at the right time and then you say that you have something that you've experienced doubt in your own life but then you've just followed through and gone with it and the results have been amazing oh thanks any young person i step in honestly any young person i step into the space of um but professionally i mean within gap although i'm a coach we do a lot of pastoral work with them as well naturally because we're with them all day so they start from like three four right up to 16 17 oh that that young from the ages of three to 16 yeah about three right up to 16 17 and then the aston performing arts academy right up to like early 20s and stuff so i mean i was 26 25 or something when i joined um now i'm a mentor there i support the young people as part of more talk more action again we did kind of go up to like 18, 19, but I think we're expanding it now right up to 25 as well because there's a lot of people that still need that support and encouragement if they haven't had it in their teens right up to about 25. So. so is it? would you say it's more like, yeah, so like support, but also would you, uh, would you say like the younger generation need more nurturing? And what I mean by nurturing as in just to have that like support system because, you know, c- certain, certain children may not have that in their homes. Like they could come from a family that, you know, they feel quite isolated. So would you say there's more aspects in regards to being a, men- a mentor as in it's a friend, it's, you know, the go-to person. And how do you kind of incorporate that with your lifestyle kind of thing? That's a good one. That's an interesting one because I think it's a difficult space to be a mentor because as a parent myself, you naturally become quite defensive of your parenting style. And so I always say, like, the job of a mentor isn't to undermine the role of the parent. Even those with the best upbringing still need a mentor because... There's certain things that a mentor could say and do or implement into the person's life and encourage them with. Their parent could actually tell them the same thing and they're not going to listen because my son's the same. He's at the mentor and he still needs mentoring. He needs that continual support from someone other than myself. Mm. Um, So it's really kind of... When kids are struggling with authority figures and teachers, which they often are when they need mentoring, usually that's because of their learning styles and their natural kinetic or physical learners as well as the education systems more like oral reading and writing and that's not for everybody right and um, a pattern that I've noticed in the young people I work with is a lot of them are very gifted creatively they're, they're great at sports academics gaming anything creative and anything that's kind of a bit outside the norm although you still get you know normal jobs and that's absolutely fine oftentimes they're kind of having this struggle with authority and um, within school, with police, with parents, anyone who's deemed as this authority figure. So if you come in as a professional person, like wearing a professional hat, yes, I'm here to fix you in. No, it's not like that. It's more like a mix between a friend and an authority figure. So you're kind of bridging the gap because when these young people are struggling with listening or, or absorbing what maybe some of their leaders are trying to teach them, that's if their leaders are doing the right thing because we mm. can't see what they are. They tend to look to their peers, and I think looking back at my childhood and my teens, that's exactly what I did. I didn't want to listen to nobody older than me. I wanted to listen to my friends and all the people I had around me. And unfortunately, they're growing themselves, and they're not always making the best choices either. So oftentimes, young people will gravitate towards whatever their peers are doing, which isn't always healthy, and they don't encourage them to see the long term. Sometimes they don't actually have real friends, like genuine friends that they can really talk to. Sometimes it's just a bit of banter and, and you find out that actually they don't have in-depth 
genuine support and conversation. They just have things in common. Um, so the job of a mentor is kind of to be that middle ground between the authority, the parent and everything, and the friend as well. But I do think it's important as well to try and bring in the parent to whatever it is you're doing as well. Because obviously a lot of parents, they need that encouragement to know that, that you know they can trust their kid with you and stuff like that as well. Have you had any kind of challenging circumstances where you've had to actually get authorities involved kind of thing? And how, how has that been for, like, for, for both of you? But yeah, I mean, we manage it as a team. Um, I have a really supportive team that I go to about anything serious. And yeah, they, they do what we need to do. It's not just me handling it. Um, we have a team of people that just kind of deal with everything. So it's not too much weight for myself. Um, but my job is to be clear, be direct, document and record, um, and also live, do right by the young person as well and be an advocate for them. Um, but yeah. Okay, so uh, what would you say your mentoring style is like? Because you know how certain people have different ways in, in, in terms of being a mentor, like you can have the bubbly one or the more like, okay, let's sit down and talk kind of thing or let's, you know, let's jam. Like, what would you say your style is and how, how has that been taken on, like, with the youths? Like, have they come up to you and be like, Leah, I love you, but, you know, maybe we can do this, do that kind of thing. Because you know how kids, they're very open and, like, outspoken, which is great. That's, that's what we kind of want the younger generation to, to be, to have a voice. Mm -hmm. So yeah, what's your mentoring style like? Oh, that's a really good one. It's difficult because obviously I'm a bit, I'm a bit of a perfectionist. And so, especially when I've got my own stuff going on with my son, my partner, everything's trying to take care of myself. And sometimes I'm just like, I'm not good enough. Like, I don't, it's hard because you've got to have a balance between being friendly and supportive yeah. and, and good listening and, and, and being on that person's side. But then you've also got to set boundaries as well. It's, it depends on the, like, because it's in the vocal coaching and stuff like that, I have to be a, quite a bit stricter um, because it's like, yeah, you're at a stage school, this is an amazing opportunity, you need to take it seriously, otherwise, you know. But mentoring style, I think you have to adapt, to be honest. You have to be different, you have to change it up depending on who you're dealing with. If someone's in a really low place and they're really depressed and they're really struggling to understand why life is so great, the last thing they actually want is someone coming in like, hi, let's play a game. Like, I'm here. Like, it doesn't work like that. It's not. Yeah. I mean, if, if we can build on that and, and get them to come out and build their confidence and, and, you know, sometimes I'll make them laugh. But sometimes, yeah, you're more likely to get somebody to develop if you just meet them where they're at. If they're in a really low place, just come down to their level. It's okay. For me, it's about have an example of what I teach. So good body language, communication, all of this kind of stuff. The things that I try and encourage them to have, I try and demonstrate it so they can be inspired by it and aspire to that as well, if that makes sense. But again, naturally, I'm very, like, oh, yeah, goofy, bubbly. Like, I'm just goofy. Like, they have to just, yeah, once they get to know me, they have to deal with that side of me, so. I guess <laughs> it's, it's building that trust first and then you, you will kind of lead into how you... Yeah them are there any kind of tips or kind of steps in terms of becoming a mentor so if there's any of our listeners here that kind of want to take that route and being a mentor what steps would you kind of give them safeguarding dvs or the have as much understanding as possible and um, trauma-informed practice making sure you understand ACEs, young people what they've been through what they might have experienced what else just connection, emotional intelligence, you know, understand mental health, understand neurodiversity as well, because there's been times when I've been in contact with young people and I've suspected 
um, sensory issues or ADHD or autism or certain things that their parents or teachers might not have picked up on. Um, and sometimes that's a challenge in itself to try and get someone to act or behave as a neurotypical person when that's actually not okay for them. And um, so if you yeah. can kind of identify certain things, not that I'm a doctor or a psychologist, but there's certain traits that you can kind of communicate with peers because there's sometimes there's a reason that somebody's struggling so much. A lot of times young boys especially need um, fidget tools um, and they don't often get in trouble for talking a lot and stuff like that. And actually they're just quite bored or they're getting distracted or they've got sensory issues or they can't focus because of possibly, you know, possibly ADHD or whatever. You don't really know. But yeah, just having an awareness that everybody's different. Just gaining as much knowledge and experience as possible. Clubhouse is a, ga- a great space for it. As you know already, um, we host a lot of cool rooms in there. Yeah, just look out for people recruiting, I guess. And I think if, if you, I think you have to have a passion for it. Like, if you absolutely love young people, you don't agree with some of the systems that are in place, you know young people are suffering, have an awareness of disparity and racism and all the inequalities that are taking place because you can't have this one size fits all. Tunnel vision, yeah. Yeah, you have to understand like that and you have to be sensitive towards what different people are going through and experiencing, whether it be good or bad. And yeah, just having a really kind of a mindset of, of just you want to see everybody win and being adaptable, being able to change it up a little bit and see what works. And just uh, just to end it off with the, the the tips of becoming a mentor, would you say you need like a to do a course as such just to understand the basic foundations of being a mentor? Because I know you mentioned you know being aware, knowing uh, certain measures in terms of ADHD and and other symptoms. Would you kind of then encourage those that are looking to become a mentor to kind of do like a course or yeah. is that required kind of thing? Why not? I think the more knowledge you can gain, the better, whether that's a course or a book or a a degree or, you know, having a mentor yourself, somebody who can mentor you in that field. Myself and Javan, who are host host Clubhouse Rooms with, we are looking at putting together some sort of programme where we can teach people who want to be mentors, like skills, how to be mentors and and engaging with young people, stuff like that. We're thinking about it again. Um, I'm trying to get this podcast going first with, with more talk action that my, myself and Hezwan are doing. So yeah, one step at a time. I kind of need to know my limits so that I can actually be good at, at what I'm doing at the time and not just kind of do everything half hearted if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, no, perfect. Okay, so Leah, question is, um, during COVID, how have you managed to continue to mentor and um, have you found it testing at any point? Oh, it was, it was a lot for not just for me, but for the, all the organisations that I work with, um, APA, Muscle Factor and Innovation Gap, is difficult going online. Um, because when young people have like Zoom calls every day to school anyway, the last thing they want to do is then have more online calls with mentors, coaching, vocals and all of this. Um, so we had to get really creative. For APA, we had to do like, we did like quiz nights, we did virtual gigs, um, if you went on Aspen Formula's Instagram, why did I lose that? <laughs> if you went on their Instagram and um, you'd see that some of the stuff we've done during COVID and it was really cool. That again, we, we still tried to maintain it and just get people doing it online. And we had ups and downs, we had a lot of ups and downs. And then with more talk matching, standing ovation was in schools, that was the only way I did it. So that was just a write off um, to everything's going back. 
And then More Talk More Action, we did a lot of sessions online. Again, there's some young people that were great online. They were absolutely fine. I was working with young people in Yorkshire. They were consistent and the communication was good. Oftentimes, they have to like be a little bit creative and reschedule things with them and speak to their parents and stuff, stuff that I wouldn't normally have to do. And then others are great in person and then trying to get them to go online. They're like, no, I'm about that. What do you, what do you mean Zoom? Like, I don't want none of that. And, and, and you just kind of gauge that whole mindset that they had. And it was really hard to convince them at times to just be like, okay, let's do this. And um, so it took a few tries to just get through it. But we did it. We got there. And, and we completed the program in lockdown, pretty much. So, yeah. It was Amazing. Yeah, we got there. It, some, some things were meant to take 12 weeks and ended up taking 20 weeks, for example. Because we just did have time where we just miss out. But I think it was really, you have to give grace because for the young people, it was, it was a lot for them mentally, a lot for their mental health, COVID, going through a pandemic, not being able to go out to their friends. You know, you never know what goes on in the homes as well. So, yeah, no, I think we managed as well as we could. That's all I can say. It was tough at times. But I also quite enjoyed um, being in my pyjamas and just wearing my professional tops. <laughs> just hey, like... story of our lives. <laughs> Had to do that, you know? Yeah, it was all right. I'm glad it's over though. I'm ready. I'm ready to get back to me. So uh, talk us through your vocal coach singing career. So um, just kind of give us a little background in terms of how you got into singing, what, who and, you know, which artist or band inspired you and um, how did you kind of take that into vocal coaching and the progress that you've done so far? So I've always been like a little from when I was young before everything like picked up with my family uh, which was when I was about seven but I was always like in the middle of the dance floor wanted to wear a good outfit and I was always singing I was drawing doodling everywhere and just the typical just absolute goofy airy fairy person but uh, yeah so I was my mum used to listen to a lot of um, Gabrielle Enya Really kind of, a, my mum's always had eclectic music taste. She liked a bit of like classical music. So I grew up with Jehovah's Witnesses as well, so we had to sing in the Kingdom Halls like twice a week as well. They were very typical, like hymn songs. My dad's a proper rocker guy, like he like, I, he brought me up on Queen, Led Zeppelin, I don't know, a whole bunch of rock bands. But I grew up on them as well, from my family. So I always had a real like mix of music. But when I was like seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, and I started watching MTV, I just couldn't get enough of R&B. That was like my thing. Destiny's Child, Nelly, Chris Brown, Usher, J Lo, the whole lot. I absolutely loved it. Um, who else is there? Just Soul. Literally, Soul just hit me. I was like, Ah, I like this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And from a young age, I was like, let me try this one. Like, ah! Like, I'll just get on it. I'm like, ooh, I'll try to do it. Do that again. That's <laughs> really fun. I've always enjoyed, like, trying to mimic what I hear. When I came to live with my dad, I had, like, five albums. I wasn't really allowed out much. I had mistakes to do a few chores. Um, before, it was just me and him. I lived in his girlfriend. And so I just sit in my room with my little record player thing, whatever it is, my little CD player. And I had uh, Sean Paul, the two I had Big Brothers, New Flow, whatever that album was called. I had the Bridget Jones film album. And I had Destiny's Child, Destiny Fulfilled. 
Marshall Mathers, and I think the Gabrielle one. So I just had these six albums on repeat all the time. And I learned all the Destiny Fulfilled songs and a few of the Sean Paul ones. And stuff. Yeah, Destiny's Child, Beyonce fan from way back. And yeah, I guess when I just thought, oh, it's, you know, the single or anything like that, I just kind of thought, yeah. Because I always kind of had anxiety and rejection issues, feeling like I wasn't good enough. I just go into work. I worked as a chef. I worked in Carthol and Warehouse. I worked in Nando's. Everywhere I went in my normal jobs, whether it be cake making, when I worked somewhere else, I'd just sing while I was there. And everyone would be like, oh, thank you, yeah. And I'm like, yay. Okay, that's, that's as far as I went. But taking it seriously is something that, obviously, I said earlier, I didn't do till I was like 26, 25, something like that. I was like, I kind of got to this mindset where I was like, never too late, let's do it, let's do it. I don't want to go to the grave not having done something that I love and getting paid for it as well. So, yeah, no, I'm glad I did it. And I've grown a lot and developed a lot in confidence in the last couple of two, three, four years. So, yeah. Perfect. So um, if you could just kind of talk us through the um, GAP entertainment, because I know you do vocal coaching as well as drama coaching. So how has that been for you and how, how long have you been doing that for? That's where it all started. So Gap Entertainment is an academy based in West Bromwich, but they also do films. They've got on the 6th their first movie premiere in, in cinemas on the 6th of June, Tale of the Fatherless. And so they have like an adult drama school um, that do theatre and stuff. They have an adult theatre, um, which is what I auditioned for several years ago. Um, and I did it working with them. And then they have the kids like dance school, stage school, shall I say. We do acrobatics, we do vocal coaching, we do drama, we do life skills. We also do like media, we do musical instruments now. We do um, music production as well. So we get them in the studio recording and stuff like that. We get them writing their own music. We've got a Young producer who creates his own beats in Mara. And yeah, we just do a whole bunch of stuff with them. They also do dance competitions, um, which I've been on, not the panel, but I've been on like the judging, not the judging table. I go to help at them events and they're really fun. Like I just add up the scores and stuff, but I, just, I, I get to have there and get paid for it sometimes. Um, so just literally anything that empowers young people to explore their creativity and their artistry. That's it. And um, would you say with the uh, Gaff Entertainment, how, how often do you, um, I mean, is it, is it quite balanced in terms of, is it like half vocal, half drama coaching, or is it more primarily vo- vocal training and then you do more of the, the drama kind of element? Like, how, how is it balanced and how, and how do you find that balance? Oh, it's interesting because I started out just doing vocals, but then obviously I'm quite dramatic myself. So I like acting and stuff. Um, so sometimes I just go to help out when they were filming something and I'd end up helping direct them or teaching them script or teaching them how to act. And although I was just the main vocal coach there amongst the few others, um, it just I just kind of organically ended up being drama coach as well. Our main drama coach had to move, he moved up north, Josh Besson, I'm assuming. So I just naturally ended up filling up the role. And originally, I think it was until someone else came along, but we kind of have assistant staff and stuff now as well, so it's not too heavy. Although I'm there all day and I'm doing vocals and drama and stuff like that, the team's growing, the building's changing. And yeah, I just have a lot of support and, and we just communicate really well. It's a bit of both now. I guess it's quite balanced, more so vocals. Um, yeah. but also when, when you're doing vocals, there's an element of acting in that, you know, when it comes to performing anything, you have to engage your audience in some way. And that involves tapping into certain emotions, even if you don't feel like it. So 
yeah, it's, it's all kind of blends, I guess. Music, What tips or like steps would you would you give someone uh, during like your your vocal co- coaching? So I guess there'll be like breathing elements uh, involved as well as different tones, kind of thing. So like, if you can kind of just give us a few examples of of how you would kind of like what tips you would give someone. Okay, cool. Um, especially with young people, I always say start off and I fix their posture and I say stand up straight, sit up straight. I know I'm not really doing it right now, but I get them to just fix their posture because um, it allows you to be unwavering. And I think a lot of young people like to put it in um, natural human defences, just to like touch things and fiddle all the things and we feel a bit anxious. But it doesn't help anything, it doesn't help our breathing, it doesn't help our confidence. And so I'll get posture and then I just get people to go, ah. Just do a sign because if you can use that technique while you're singing, the air will flow out very naturally and it will sound really nice and smooth. And um, so I, I call it the sigh technique, something I made up, and I was just like, that's how I'm going to do it when you sing. So it's not a ha, it's like, ha, it's a ha. Yeah, if you can get out that same nice breathy sigh, you can sing, and most of them can do that. And that's where we start. We fill up the balloon um, and we just let it inflate. And so, what I always say is the airflow needs to just be constant. And then obviously you change the shape of it as it's coming out. So if you can master your lungs and how the air comes out, sometimes you'll need to engage the core and your diaphragm to give it that extra push. You know, I just kind of use a balloon, a visual balloon as an example to teach each of you when to breathe, when to let relax it, when to quickly fill it up again, stuff like that. Um, there's loads of different vocal warm-ups about diction, pronunciation, that's really important. Um, again, I'm a student myself. I'm always learning and growing myself. Um, lots of warm-ups. You know, I've had them beat on their diaphragm to engage it, to get them to project. All kinds of madness. Sometimes we play games. And, yeah, I guess it's just about recognising when someone's not at the same place as someone else. It's different when you're doing a one-to-one. You, but when you've got a whole group of people, um, you have to think about, okay, there's going to be people that are just, what are you on about? So you have to like, constantly bring it back to the basics sometimes. Um, so I kind of found a system that works. Um, I try and get them to do harmonies as well, the simple ones, three part harmonies. Tips, tips, tips. Don't want to work. Do it every day because it's like going to the gym. You know, you can't just do it once a month and expect it to be amazing. It's all right like that. Yeah, that's, I'm trying to just not go, I'm trying not to get too technical. So yeah, I'll just leave it at no, that. that's fine. So simple steps are stay hydrated, do the sigh, Exercise and posture. It's a and I might say, right, turn it into a sigh. So they'll go But then after the they start to go when they start running out of there. So I say turn your sigh into a whisper and they go and then the end of that really nice, and it works. Oh, yeah. Neat. I like that. I might, I might try that on our next clubhouse <laughs> chat. Yeah. Try, try the exercise, Clifford. We should do that on our uh, Saturday chat. Uh, um, do you want to speak on some of the rooms that you moderate and just you know promote any projects that you have upcoming on Clubhouse? Yeah, super mad. <laughs> I'm really not a super mad. Um, I'm learning. So. Uh, right, so Youth Mentorship, it's a club we've got going. It's currently the biggest youth on Clubhouse and mentorship club. Because when I search it, I'm like, I can't find any. Like, I don't know if it's because it's still in beta. I'm like, oh, this is really something like let's get moving and let's get rolling. 
So on Mondays, uh, me and Javan host youth panels. So this is about just giving the youth the space, giving them a platform to speak. Uh, we might give them a topic. We get one of them to lead. And they run with it and they do their thing. And that's cool. Um, that's at Mondays, 8.30 GMT. We have youth from all different backgrounds all over the world. Um, we've got South Africa. We've got Asia. We've got America. We've got the UK. And then on Thursdays, we do Empowering the Next Generation, which is, I, I say that, but we don't really call it that anymore. It's just... We have a variety of topics where we have like guest speakers come on. And we might have lawyers talk, lawyers talking about injustice and disparities in the, in the criminal justice system, youth offence, life crime, all these different things. We might have a psychotherapist talking about mental health amongst the youth and what they can do to, and what mentors can do as well. We might have mentors coming together and discussing their experiences and what we can do to support each other. We might have parents coming on asking questions and stuff like that. So it's just Two quite solid spaces that we've created now where people can just come in and grow if they either want to be a mentor or, or they're a youth member or they're parent. I feel like everyone can benefit from the space, to be honest. And then we also started a WhatsApp group. We've got the youth mentorship group on WhatsApp, and that's basically for anyone in any kind of industry that works with youth, parents, youth leaders, mentors, teachers, lawyers, psychotherapists. We've got a, we've got a whole group of people now where... If ever we encounter somebody who's asking about a young person, maybe usually parents with their kids, like, my child's really into this, but I really don't know what to do. Can you get them a mentor or some support? And we might put it in the group and someone will reach out and find somebody. Other than that, we also signpost young people to each other. For example, if somebody was to come to me and be like, oh, yeah, I want my daughter mentoring, for example, and I, in the company that I'm with, I don't have the capacity to do that because... The government's tight with funding and stuff. We do have three sixty programs and whatnot, but I think there's there's really important to kind of come together as a community. And Dr. Jennifer mentioned this as well. And she's like, we need to have a database where we can actually collectively just do the absolute best we can for the community. So have a community of people, and it's working. We share funding and petitions and links and resources, tests, um, not like scientist tests, but it's kind of like. I mentioned it the other day that this, this, the learning style tests are completed as the 16 personalities. So all these different resources that we can use um, to help elevate young people um, and the organisations that we're part of as well. We do that in there. So Clubhouse as well. I mean, I do a bit of, obviously I do a bit of singing on there. You know, this is, you know you've, been, you've been jamming with me a few times. I'm jamming with you, doing a bit of harmonies here and there. <laughs> If you, you'll find me in the singing rooms and just chilling I'm on stage with Kamani sometimes and yeah it's just really nice vibe I do want to host some more as well I sometimes do open my night with creative entrepreneurs sometimes I'll just be chilling and hosting 9am or jumping up on the 9am room stage or something so yeah I just I just go about doing but I'm trying not to go in it as much just so I can balance everything else <laughs> How has the kind of like feedback or outcome been with the rooms that you host, uh, especially for the youth mentorship? Like, how has that been? And uh, have you been able to kind of see like awareness increase? Well, I've had some great feedback. Javan's had great feedback as well. We, we always talk about what we can do better to improve it. And um, one of the things we realized in the last few weeks with the youth room is that as soon as you allow people to start coming up on stage, anyone who's anyone will just come up and start talking when really sometimes we don't always gauge the space, we're actually the youth are the leaders in this space, so you need to ask them questions, learn from them. There's nothing wrong with giving youth a bit of encouragement, but sometimes I think to the youth it can come across a bit pitchy. 
So, you know, and it's great. What people come in and say is completely valid. However, sometimes um, there's so much talking from the older generation. Not that there's anything wrong with that. All those people, all what they're saying. Um, sometimes the, the youth can kind of get lost. So one of the things we decided yesterday was that actually we're just going to not have had those kind of rescue requirements or so. And we're just going to keep them bouncing off each other, leaving a space, and then we'll open it up and really kind of set the tone. And I guess it's kind of our fault for not making it very clear and going to get going. Like, you have 30 seconds to a minute, say what you want to say, ask a question, or chime in, and also, yeah, just always bring it back to the young people. I think we need to kind of, we've had to reassess that because we found a few things that kind of naturally happen because of humans, right? That's the human, so just with anything, it's a growing space. I think it will only get bigger, and yeah. so I guess better to make tweaks from that to make sure we can keep it up and people don't start falling out not falling out as an argument but falling out of the losing interest for example so yeah we need to make sure we keep it we keep it nice amazing well I mean like like Clifford and I have said we've seen you on Clubhouse and you're an amazing mod I've seen you moderate rooms and like host it in a very safe like organic environment so kudos to you and keep doing what you're doing before we wrap up do you want to just uh let our listeners know and just plug in your social so they know where to find you where to reach you I'm not as active as I should be um but it's the Ashan so at L double So Lea, Lee, yeah, kind of, but that's not how my name's spelled. So L E E Y A H S I A N A N. So that's Instagram. And um, same on Twitter. Yeah, I'm only really on there, I think. But how can they get involved in, in regards to the rooms that you host? So it'll be more follow you and then follow your rooms kind of thing. So if you just kind of plug in those socials. I've also got, um, obviously, the companies I work for, Aspen, PAA, underscore, is there into the Dallas Performing Arts Academy. Gap Entertainment, if you type in g.a.p, entertainment, you'll find that on there. But they're all in my bio on my Instagram all the day. So. And I'm also having a, a, a professional more talk match and profile up there as well, so I can talk post the most of that I do. Perfect. Well, uh, this has been an amazing episode. We've come near to the end. Uh, but before we wrap up, uh, Clifford, if you want to take it away with our social plugs and then beautiful Leah can sing us off. Find us on Instagram. We are Real Talk Podcast. Real Talk Podcast on Instagram. And the handle is Real Talk Podcast underscore three times. We are also on Twitter and it's Real Talk Podcast. But instead of the letter O, we have the number zero. So that's Real Talk Podcast. Instead of the letter O, we have the number zero. So Real Talk Podcast. Leah, take it away with the song of your choice. Before you do, my love, uh, just to also plug in, we have a clubhouse room. We're going to be hosting our weekly chat and Leah will be with us hopefully it's Saturday at 7 p.m if you guys need an invite do send myself or Clifford a DM and we'll send you an invite and it is RTV after show which is real talk podcast after show and over to you Leah when you put out your heart, I can erase them all. Cause there's nothing like your love.
episode guys this is why i said this was going to be a special app because we had leah and her vocals it's on point and if you want to hear more do follow her her socials will be on our podcast so please please follow and yeah so hopefully leah will host one of her famous leah lounge room and we'll hear more singing i should have got an instrumental ready for today's apologies so finding all over the place. But yeah, it's been a pleasure. It's been really nice. Oh, it's been so lovely. Yeah, well, it's been it's been amazing having you again on our podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in and coming to Real Talk Podcast. I've been Clifford. I've been Muna. You've been listening to Real Talk Podcast. Share, like, and tell a friend. And then tell a friend to tell a friend. <laughs> <laughs>